starting a series called Hearing from God. Um, and this is a three-part series, and they kind of build on each other a little bit. So you may walk away this week and say, okay, so now how do I hear from God? Today's point is the need to hear from God. And if you can leave today saying, I need to hear from the Lord, that means that we have accomplished our mission this morning. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you have a phone app, you can do that. If you have Google, Google 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we're going to start in verses 1. It should be in the back as well. I just want to set the scene up. I just want to make sure we all understand the context of what we're about to read. This is Old Testament. This is before Jesus comes on scene. This is even before Israel had a king. And before Israel, God's people, God's nation, had a king, they had these judges. And judges were people who were prophets who God would speak to them, and then they would speak to the people. And God said, you don't need a king, a person king, because you have me as a king, and I'm going to use people as instruments. And so Eli was one of these judges. He was a prophet. He was a high priest, and he would kind of do the temple sacrifices, and he would fear from the Lord. And his sons were just not the best. They worked at the temple as well. They worked at the church um, in today's time. And they just really were disobedient to the Lord. So Eli had really no one to pass the baton to. And there's this lady who was not able to have kids. And she made a deal with God. And I don't think this is a normal practice that we should do. But she said, Lord, if you give me a son, I will dedicate him to you. And God did give him give her a son named Samuel. And so she was good about her word, and Samuel was dedicated to the Lord, and Eli kind of mentored Samuel and groomed him. And so that's where we are, Samuel um, as a little boy, and Eli who is now aging. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy, Samuel, was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there were no frequent visions. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. So you can imagine that it's probably like 9 o'clock. You know, the lights are still on. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. And he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call and go lay down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel uh, crossed and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lay down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. And the Lord came and stood calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Would you pray with me? Lord, could we be like Samuel and could we just in the quiet say, speak, your servant is listening. 
Lord, would you help us to first understand that you are a God who continues to speak today? And Lord, would you help us to discern your voice? Lord, would your presence just fill this room right now? And God, would you speak to us individually the words that you know we need at this moment in this place? And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So a couple years ago, when my eldest, Ellie, was battling cancer, she was in a trial drug. And so Kate took her to Boston Children's to get scans. Well, maybe not to get a checkup. And the doctor said, I'm not sure if we want to do scans, because if we do scans, it may make it so we have to stop the trial, and we don't want to do that. And so there was kind of a 50-50 kind of call. I spent that day, that afternoon anyways, in my bedroom where there's a sliding door that overlooked our backyard and into the woods. And I sat there and I read scripture and I pleaded with the Lord. I prayed, God, would you, would you, would this be the day that her disease is gone? And at that time, I was reading through the book of Psalms and and then I read in Psalm 104, which was in the, um, and as I was reading, I was on Psalm 104, and Psalm 104, verse 7 says this, but at your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took flight. And I kid you not, the day was a cloudy day, but it was not raining. And as soon as I read this line, it thundered out. And here I am pleading for the Lord, and I'm reading the scripture, and goosebumps all over my body, and I'm thinking, God, are you speaking to me? So I immediately grabbed my phone, and I texted Kate. Kate, if they ask for scans, say yes. Sure enough, within minutes of her getting this text, the doctors come in, and they said, hey, would you like scans? Kate, having no idea what was happening back home, said Apparently, yes. See, here, here's what I thought. I thought that God was answering my prayer by the receding of Ellie's cancer. And I thought that these scans were going to show just that, and the Lord has heard and he had sounded. And the reality was the opposite. They did do scans, and they took her off the trial because her disease has not receded, but it actually has spread. And it was a good thing for her to get her scans because they realized that the drug was not working and we needed to pivot. There have been other times in the past couple of years especially where I felt like the Lord has spoken. And so for me, I've been on a journey of did I hear God correctly? Does God even speak? And if so, what does that look like? And so I've been on a journey and I'm inviting you guys to come on this journey with me. What does it look like? How do we know? How do we know the voice of God? We hear stories like that and other supernatural stories. You know, su people who are hearing audible voices and people who are having visions and seeing. And we think, well, I would like that in my life. Well, wouldn't that be cool if, if I am looking for a decision and all of a sudden I get a letter in the mail that says, this is God, take the job. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice? And, and I do want to be clear that supernatural things still exist today, but they are the minority, not the majority. And so therefore, I want to acknowledge their existence, but I want to lean into 
the ways that I believe that God speaks on a daily basis to us. I, I got a book, an older book, called Does God Still Speak Today? It was written in 1979. The book has over 80 stories of these supernatural things, of people who are looking to buy a house and they get a vision of a house with a picket fence and an oak tree and the next day they see that same house in their vision. Or they get a vision of a name and a man and the word affair and they say, hey, I don't know what this means, but do you know this name? And the guy's face goes pale. It's like, yes, actually, I was just about to have an affair and you see these other uh, dreams and, and these visions and these just supernatural ways. And, and so I'm reading all these stories, and I'm like, well, this is pretty cool. But then the last half of the book is revelations that never came true. Things where people thought they heard God, and it never came true. He says this in this book. C.S. Lewis writes this in Screwtape Letters, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall into, about Satan specifically. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. We might say the same is about revelations from God. One is to disbelieve any such thing in the supernatural happens, while the other is to believe all such claims without exercising proper discernment. What we're going to explore in the next week are these ways that I believe God speaks, and I think he speaks one through his word. I mean, this is a gift to us, that God has given us his words on paper that transcends time that we can go and we can literally hear from the voice of God. He gives us each other community. That's why I think it's so important to, we're not called to follow Jesus alone. We're called to follow Jesus together. Circumstances in our life. One of the best ways that God guides us is actually to shut doors. And some doors he opens. He gives us an inner spirit, our character, that we can kind of have this sense of knowing. And all these ways are a way that God speaks today that we will get into. But I just want to say this, is that we may think that God may be silent when in reality we just really don't know his voice. We look at these supernatural stories and we'll say, you know, I have no idea. I've never heard that. Therefore, God must be silent. And the reality is, we just don't understand it. Because just because you can't hear a sound doesn't mean it isn't there. I worked in student ministry for many years. And I remember one year, there was this new trend where they had this, like, device these kids did that would admit a high-pitched sound so high that adults like myself couldn't hear it. And so I remember that when I realized this, all of a sudden I'm like giving a talk and everyone starts laughing. I'm like, what are you laughing at? I'm like, you can't hear that. I'm like, no, I'm like, you're old. I'm like, stop it. And they would use it to cheat. So they would go into school and if it was, you tap it once, it was an A, two, B, three, C. And so the teacher would be looking out and everybody would write the answer at the same time. If you look at those mice repellents, I still don't think they work, but we have a few at my grandmother's house that apparently they admit a high-frequency sound. There's one that's right under the TV at my grandmother's house, and we're watching Netflix, and apparently this is admitting a loud sound to deter mice, and here we are just enjoying TV. So just because you can't hear it, that doesn't mean there's no sound. 
So the way to hear it is to know what you're looking for. If you look at Samuel, it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He did not yet know the Lord. Stephen Furtick, a pastor down south, says there's a difference between rituals and religion and a relationship. Look at Samuel's life. He's ministering with Eli in the temple. He's sleeping next to the ark. It doesn't get more religious than this. But yet he doesn't know the Lord yet. I think we think if I go through the rituals of religion, then I will know the Lord. And I want to just let you know, I think what we're doing right now is very important. I think everything that we do at Fireside Crews and sessions and campfires and kids program are all to help us equip to know the Lord. But there is a relationship that that cannot replace. In order to know the Lord, you have to be in a relationship with him. In that same book I mentioned, he said, married couples acquire a unique sensitivity to the quiet word or small gesture which others may never notice. And the longer you get married, the more and more you can understand and hear your spouse. For those of you who are married, you know what I'm talking about. I am still learning Kate's voice. And I get it wrong all the time. We'll leave, we'll do something and say, what did you do that for? I'm like, what do you mean? I didn't know I was supposed to do that. It's like, you didn't understand what I was saying. You didn't say anything. But yes, I was with my eyes and my gestures and my attitude. I'm like, oh, I missed it. You know what I'm talking about? Or if someone gave you a fact sheet, here's everything you need to know about your spouse, and you study it. Would you say, I therefore now know my spouse fully because I understand facts about him? See, the same is true with our relationship with God. It is important for us to know facts, but facts accompany relationship and time spent with him. And the more time we spend with him, the more time we will understand him and be able to hear his voice. Dallas Willard says this, We may mistakenly think that we would automatically recognize God's voice if God spoke to us. To think we will recognize God's voice without having to learn it is a mistake. See, to learn God's voice takes intentionality. It takes effort on our part. We would think, well, obviously, the God who created the heavens and the earth, if he were to spoke, I would know that he's speaking, and he is speaking, but if you don't know him, you wouldn't know he's speaking. When Ellie was through treatment, she had hearing, and she lost 90% of her hearing. So we had to pivot in how we communicated, and we had to be intentional when we would communicate, we would make sure that we were in places that were, didn't have a lot of other noises because her hearing aids would pick it up. We would use gestures to go along with what we said. And so we had to be intentional. Ali, I need you to understand. Now I'm speaking to you in, in your eye contact. And you're using gestures. Zebras, when they first have the first three days of a baby zebra's life, the mom and the baby separate themselves from the herd. And they do three things. They use these three to five days for the baby to know its mother's scent, to know its mother's stripes, and to know its mother's voice. And after that time, they would go back into their herd, and 
They all look, have you ever seen zebras? They all look the same. They all smell the same. And they all sound the same, but not to this baby. Because they were intentional about taking the time to know its mother's voice, sound, smell, and what it looks like. Would we do the same? Could we do the same? Dallas Willard goes on and says this. After Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to his disciples in visible form for only a few occasions over a period of 40 days. I'm going to pause there. Have you ever wondered why Jesus didn't do life as he did before? You know, he spent three years with them, and he slept with them, and he would have meals with them, and he would travel with them, and he, they would have conversations. But then after, he, we only have like three or four times where Jesus would actually interact with them over 40 days. And every time, they were kind of shocked by it. He would appear in a room, or he would appear on a road, or he would appear on the beach. And Willard says his main task as their teacher during these days was to get them accustomed to hearing him without seeing him. I have taught you. You know me. You don't have to visually see me to hear me. Well, one of the ways to learn what God's voice is, is to learn what God's voice is not. If you look at the story with Samuel and Eli, what did Samuel do? The first thing he did was he got up and went to Eli. Eli, you called me, you called me. And Eli's like, I didn't call you. Process of elimination. Went back, and f back again and again. There are a lot of voices in your life that are competing with God's voice. We live in a very loud world. Your life is very loud. And there are voices that are competing with the voice of God. And what we want, and we'll talk about this more next week, is we want a God that will shout over all the other voices. We want him to be the one to make sure we are attentive to him. When reality, it is our choice that we need to be intentional. Mark Batterson <clears throat> tells this story in his book, Whisper. Tell me what you pay attention to, and I will tell you who you are. You will eventually be shaped in the image of the loudest voice in your life, the voice that you listen to the most. So what is the voice that is the loudest in your life? Is it the demand of your job? Is it the demand of your kids? Is it the demand of success? Is the voice in your life saying that you're not good enough or the voice saying that you're too good, that you need this, that you need that? And whatever you listen to is who you eventually will become. Would God say that my happiness is more important than my obedience? Is a voice I think many of us struggle with all the time. And if we aren't hearing what we want to hear, well, we start creating our own God voice. Isn't this what happened in Genesis, uh, in the beginning of Genesis, where there's a fall, and the reason why there was a fall was because Eve and Adam were promised to be God, that they could call the shots, so that they would know what good and bad is. And so what they do is what we do, and I do it all the time, we become kind of like a puppeteer, a tranquilist, and start being God's voice. God, you know, should I do this? Oh, sure you can. You deserve the best. Well, thank you, God. Oh, you're welcome. This is what we do. And you laugh, but it's the reality because we start 
saying things that we think God is going to say this, obviously, because God loves me, so he wants all this for me. So I heard from the Lord that I'm going to be a millionaire in age 50, right? And we have to be careful, not just about hearing our voice, but also hearing others who are saying they're hearing the voice of God. Isn't it nice when someone says, you know, you know, God has a plan for you, and that plan is going to make you so rich. <laughs> and we like to be people pleasers. Someone struggling with someone, ah, maybe it's infertility. You know, God told me you're going to have babies. Did, did God really say that? <laughs> Willard says this story in his book. He said there was a woman whose husband had recently died. She calls up the pastor and says, Pastor, I need you to come over to try on uh, my husband's suits because God told me to give you his suits. And the pastor replied, well, if God told you, then they're going to fit. No need to come over. And there is this thing, well, God told me this. The best is yet to come. Everything is going to work out as he wants it to be. Jeremiah, the prophet, when they were about to go into exile, there were a lot of false prophets that were saying, there's no way Babylon can defeat Jerusalem. And Jeremiah says, don't listen to the false prophecies that say goodwill will come. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. That's not the point of this morning. The point is that we need to discern what is and what's not the voice of God. About two weeks before Ellie passed, we had a healing ministry come to our driveway. And people, and I'll say this, honestly, I was very convinced that Ellie was going to be healed. And I still struggle and, and wrestle with that. So were some of these others who said, hey, we just need to do this. We just need to do that. If we pray this prayer, if we pray this prayer, then they will be healed. And God has claimed if you can, come, if you can proclaim it, name it, and it will happen in the name of Jesus. And it didn't really work out as we expected. In fact, this, this, this ministry said, you know, if, for the others, if you don't believe and if she doesn't make it, it's because of your lack of faith. Whew. Man, that was hard to hear. I just don't believe that's how God operates. <laughs> I just don't believe that's how God operates. In Batterson's book, he says, God's voice is always from love. Even when we are rebuked, it's a place of love. Even for those who I would put almost everyone here is going through some kind of trial or suffering, I can't tell you why, but I can tell you God still loves you in the midst of it. His voice is a loving voice. You look at the Babylonians coming and overtaking Jerusalem. And God didn't do that because he didn't love them. He did it because he did love them. The other day, me and Drew are, are on this bike ride, and we like to go to the reservoir, and there's a little dirt road that has rocks, and he goes and he throws all these rocks in. This particular day, he got really brave, and he's like, well, you know, I'm not going to just throw rocks. I'm going to throw myself in. And so he would go up to his, like, waist. And so I'm watching from a distance, and I say, hey, Drew, I, I don't think you should be doing that. And I would pick him up, and then I'd move him. Now he thought it was a game, right? And so he keeps running in. And I looked, and I said, there was, there was a drop-off that went about three feet. And Drew's not even three feet. And I'm like, if you take another step, you're going in. And I'm going in, and we got a bike home. This is going to be a really awful situation for you and for me. 
So I said, Drew, you cannot go in the water. Goes in the water. Four times I picked him out of the water. So finally, I picked him up, and I kind of gave him a little, like, tap on his wrist. Not, not just something to say, hey, Drew, like, you know, like kind of yanked him out a little bit, a little bit more forcefully. He looked at me, and I didn't hurt him, but his feelings were hurt. If you, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. And his lips started to pucker. Like, Dad, how could you do that? <laughs> and, and I just held him. And we sat there looking at the water for a good 15 minutes. Just saying, buddy, I love you. I love you. Trying to explain to a two-and-a-half-year-old about the reasoning. Like, if you keep doing this, you are going to be in way more shape than you are now. And going back and forth. This is the same God as how he operates. That like God loves us and loves us and loves us. In Revelations chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus, John writes that Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. There's a famous painting called Light of the World. Maybe you've recognized it before. And it's a picture of Jesus knocking outside of a door. There have been other Paintings like this painting, and all of them share the same trait. And the fact that there is no doorknob on the outside of the door. When I was a little kid at my old church in Hampton Falls, if you go the back way to the old sanctuary, which was so creepy because there was a window there that went out to the cemetery. So I did not like going down there. And then right next to the window was this big painting of Jesus knocking on the door. So it was ingrained in my head and there's no doorknob. So how is Jesus going to get in? If you look at scripture, it says, we are the ones who open the door by hearing his voice. And a lot of times what we want is we want some sort of SWAT team Jesus coming with a battering ram. Do you hear? And we got all the voices in our life that we talked about just out like, you know, voices of things that are just competing with God's word, and we don't even hear the knocking, right? Have you ever gone out of your door and tripped on an Amazon box? I'm like, when did that get there? And there's just no way you heard it because your kids are going crazy, the TV is so loud, there's something boiling in the water, you're out mowing the lawn, whatever it is, and you just can't hear it. Life is busy, life is loud. And what we want Jesus to say, to kick the door open and be like, I'm here! And his, um, Maxwell Cato in his book, A Gentle Whisper, says, we actually, many of us want a cowboy instead of a shepherd. We want Jesus to be more of a cowboy instead of a shepherd because, you know, we, we can't take the time to listen and to be guided. We just want to be herded. <laughs> and he kind of goes through certain characteristics. He says, cowboys, they like to drive their cattle with whips and they're harsh. And there's usually multiple cowboys Doing that. Shepherds, they lead their sheep. And there's only one shepherd per flock. Cowboys, they know the names of all the trails they're going to take. But see, a shepherd knows the name of all his sheep. Cowboys, their goal is for the safety of the cows so that they would provide their death in terms of giving them meat. Or a shepherd wants to protect his flock in order for them to produce, produce wool and milk for their production, for their life. Jesus says in John chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. 
John 10, 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He guides us gently. Levi Lesko says, he will guide us, but never override us. You're not over, you will never be able to override a cowboy because they will make sure you get in line. We have a good shepherd. And it's important for us to learn God's voice that is speaking to you today. Mark Batterson's book, he talks about the great tsunami that happened in the early 2000s. And what they realized was that there's a group of people called the Moken people. The, actually, a couple of years ago, I like, did a lot of research because they're just fascinating because they live on water in the South Pacific. It's kind of like a real water world, if you remember Kevin Cosner's movie. But not one of them perished through the tsunami. And here's why. They heard the sounds that were coming. This is what they heard. Birds stopped chirping. The sea started to recede. The cicadas had gone silent. When they looked on shore, the elephants were headed towards higher ground, and the dolphins were swimming out farther to sea. And then they started going back to ancient legend, which was this verbal way of communicating, passing on from generation to the generation. And they started to listen, and they heard, they remembered there was a wave called the laboom. And the laboom is translated as a wave that eats people. And and in this ancient thing, they gave them these signs, and they realized something's going on. And so what they did is they went to shore, they went on higher ground, and not one of them. Were, got killed in the tsunami. They were interviewed after, and there was a bunch of fishermen that were near them that did perish, and they said they just didn't know how to listen to the signs. If we aren't careful, we will also not be able to listen what God's trying to say to you. He just doesn't pick certain individuals to speak to. He's speaking to everyone he has created. When Drew, his first two years of his life, he had six hearing um, infections. He had fluid buildup, and so we finally gave him tubes. And for the first, like, three months, any time there was a loud noise, he would cover his ears because he wasn't used to hearing. I think there are a lot of people here that have fluid in their ears right now. And God's speaking, and we aren't listening. I want the band to come up here. And I just love this last thing when you hear about the story. Is that God calls to Samuel, Samuel. And he doesn't yet know the Lord, nor does he hear the Lord or perceive that is the Lord. He goes to Eli and says, Eli, you called me. And God didn't say, well, I tried and he didn't hear me, so I'm going to move on. No, he kept repeating. He kept speaking. Samuel a second time. Samuel a third time. Samuel a fourth time until he finally perceived the voice. See, God does not stop speaking to you. God is not going to give up on you. God's not going to say, well, they're never going to open the door, so I'm just going to stop knocking and I'm not going to go to the next door. No, God is camped outside of your house, your heart, and he is knocking, and he is knocking, and he is waiting for you to hear his voice to let him in. He's not going anywhere. 
He wants to have a relationship with you. That's two ways. See, we can get behind prayer, right? We can say, hey, I can go and talk to God. I get that. But do we ever think about God talking back to us? That's a relationship. And so on my journey, I'm trying to figure out what does that even look like? And how do I know? And is God speaking? Is he not? And I wish I could say it's so easy. But all I can say is that he still speaks speaks to you right now. And my hope in this series, as we dive into this, that we would know the Lord better and that we can say, as Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Lord, could we just, in our seats right now, Jesus, could you just help us discern your voice? Lord, would you put us in a position to say, Lord, speak, for I, your servant, is listening. Lord, I believe you are speaking today as you did yesterday. Lord, I believe that you are trying to invade our hearts out of love to guide us. Lord, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Lord, would you humble us? Instead of putting words in your mouth, Lord, would, you, would we actually read your words? And Lord, would we have a perspective that you are good even though life may not be good? That you are speaking even though it seems like you are silent? Lord, you are our good shepherd a shepherd who cares, a shepherd who loves, a shepherd who leads, a shepherd who wants us to be producing sheep for the kingdom of God. So, Lord, here we are, a people group, saying, speak, for your servants are listening.